0: Welcome to the Dystopian Renaissance. We cover spirituality, healing, consciousness, and truth. In this chaotic world we live in, it's important to get out of the matrix. And we'll do just that with biohacking, nutrition, spiritual awakenings, alternative healing, and freedom. This is the Dystopian Renaissance. And this is your host, Johnny Sage.
1: Welcome
2: to the Stopian Renaissance. I am your host, Johnny Sage. I am sitting today with Rod Noble. He's an author, uh, energy healer, awakening coach, and shamanic practitioner. Rod, thank you for coming today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me here. You're welcome as well, Ed. You have a very interesting story. Your healing journey, it, it started a while ago, right? Yeah, um, I think my healing journey
3: was spread out over a long period of time. Probably started in high school when uh, somebody gave me like uh, some LSD, (laughs) and I just started to see through uh, the facade of social cultural reality, and I could just start seeing through everything, you know, through through the nonsense of my own family, through through, uh, the media, the news, and you know all that kind of stuff. So. uh, I think that would be like, you know, the first door opening and then it continued with different authors and and influences that I've had over the years.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Unfortunately, my awakening wasn't until later in life, so you're lucky that it happened in the high school stage because I, I knew something was wrong, but I, I just didn't know what, you know, because no mm-hmm. one was awake around me. So, mm-hmm. But do you think that's why psychedelics were legal or taboo for so long like kind of there's a lot of propaganda about them because they had the potential to wake people up and see outside the matrix
3: well you know Terrence McKenna talked about some of this the reason that psychedelics scared uh the you know the, the powers the controllers whatever you want to call them is because it actually changes the way you think and and it causes you to ask questions uh, beyond the mainstream narrative. So that's what the threat was, I think to the controllers or whatever you want to call them, uh,
2: you know. That makes sense because you, like you said, you start viewing things differently because before that, you, at least for me, I just thought something was wrong with me, you know, like I wasn't happy no matter what I was doing, doing the things I was Old would, would make me happy. I tried like different jobs, white collar, blue collar, and nothing worked. I'm like, this is it. And but there's like it must be because these other people see you happy. But you're right. Like I found like psychedelics kind of have that potential that you start seeing. Oh wait, there's these other ways that are possible that we're just not seeing it. So or or they're not really being discussed in the mainstream. So do, is that kind of like what you were noticing too? That this was just a dead-end lifestyle? The way people were living and we were told to live?
3: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, suffering like begins with the phantom ego self as it navigates its way through the illusionary ego matrix reality. Uh, so, you know, people get unhappy, because they get into this like hungry ghost thing where they want satisfaction for here I want my parents to feel this way about me I want my parents to treat me this way I want my brother to treat me this way I want I want uh you know all this respect from my job I want uh my partner to, to treat me this way all this kind of stuff and it just keeps going on and on and on of course Hardly any of those are ever met, right? When, when do your parents just wake up and say, I'm going to treat uh, Johnny different today? <laughs> or when does your boss say, hey, I had this dream. I'm going to completely treat you different t- today. So we get in, into these loops of like, you know, nothing works the way we want it to work. And oftentimes we're not seeing the larger picture because, um, you know, there's lessons going on at a very high level. And you know the family dynamics and and relationships that we have are all based on past life karma. So there's definitely um, a lot going on behind the scenes w- w- with all that stuff. So
1: um,
3: yeah, people get unhappy because they start to see through the facade of all this, and and it just doesn't work anymore.
2: So yeah, and that's a great point you brought up, and I. I've heard, like, monks talk about something along those guidelines, like, when you try to control something you can't control, and that's one of the root causes of suffering. So, that seems to be related to what you're saying, too. But it's easier said than done, as well, because you're right. Like, we have this feeling that we want things to go our way, and if if they don't, we kind of get frustrated, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it's not... You're right. How often do other people really think about every other person? You know, it's yeah, like they're yeah. probably in their own little movie going about, going through right. their routine. Right. And that was, and you talked about how you awakened, but you're also spiritual too. Like, when did that start coming into your, uh, like, when did you start noticing an inclination towards spirituality?
3: Well, that's a really good question. And I'm glad that you brought this up because it seems, and this is, been true with a lot of people, and probably me too, is that working with um, psychedelic plants, uh, entheogens or whatever you want to call them, uh, seems to only take you to a certain level. At that point, you have to um, sort of look at where you're at and bring in um, like a new relationship with the divine. And that, that's what I learned from uh, Eastern mysticism, like some of my teachers—Avatar, Mayor, Baba, Paramahansa, Yogananda, Swami Vivekananda. It's it's basically developing a relationship with the divine, uh, because that's what we all are, right? We're we're divine beings. So when you start loving yourself, loving God. Uh, it gives a new purpose to life than just going to another burning man party or uh, taking another trip with your friends out in the jungle or, or or whatever and and a lot of times that can even fall into the ego matrix because i've seen people you know online like um planning these ego death experiences for months and months then they go down to the amazon you know they have an incredible ayahuasca uh journey then they post it all over their social social media with the with the sexy people that they're with and the cool looking shaman and and i'm thinking well, i I guess the ego death experience didn't work so and that's
2: a a very good point and uh, i'm glad you brought that up because while i'm a big proponent of plant medicines and psychedelics they they have a amazing purpose and amazing capabilities But there's definitely wrong uses for them, too, and people Mm -hmm. abuse them as well. I I would say even, at least what I've seen, more often than not, too. So Mm -hmm. it's because, and I've seen people not, they tend to pass on the integration aspect of it as well. It's like they they could see these profound, or have these profound experiences or see these profound visions then like afterwards they'll like just dust their hands off and be like oh back to the cubicle you know like here was something that could have changed their whole life around and they, they experienced it but then they just threw it away right after and it, it was kind of disheartening to see that you know because I was like blown away and but I noticed I was the rare exception <laughs> at least in like the uh, circles that I was going to to start with have you ever seen like have you experienced stuff like that? Like what, or to see people just like kind of throw away there, or like abuse the medicines?
3: Yes, definitely. It it turns into a hungry ghost kind of thing. Like you're living for your next hit of DMT or uh, your next ayahuasca experience. Like your life becomes based on, well, if I can just get to the Amazon, I'll be happy. Or, you know, life sucks this week, uh, but next week I'm going to take DMT, so everything's (laughs) going to be fine after that. you know, it doesn't work like that. Your, your life has to be a magical experience every day, not just, you know, when you're taking plant medicines. So.
2: Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I think you're the one who posted, I had that great post about Burning Man, how it got really commercial post 2008, I think was the year. Mm-hmm. I maybe that wasn't the exact year, but the concept was certainly right. And it's not mm-hmm. just Burning Man, but a lot of those festivals, some people don't want to admit that either, you know, like they're, I talked to this one young lady and she would spend like five to $8,000 to go to Burning Man for the week. And I'm like, and I'm like, she's completely oblivious. I was just thinking, isn't that like kind of against the point to just go out camping in the desert?
3: Yeah, I I think for me, it was, I went three times. It was interesting experience. I think the danger comes, you know, when you're attached to the importance of it, Uh, you know, like. It's important to be there. And if you don't make it, um oh, I'm depressed, or, you know, that kind of thing. You don't want to get into that kind of modality with anything, much less a Burning Man or a, you know, dance festival. You don't want those things to have that kind of power over you. Yeah.
2: And you know? it, it seems like the events just become kind of like the event. It's not just the experience. It's just like kind of saying you went. And I, I wouldn't even really want to do Plant medicines in that type of environment. Would you? The just see because sometimes like your aura and other things can be opened up. So and there, there's definitely some sketchy people that go to those things.
3: Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because that kind of bleeds into energy healing. Now, I went uh, my first time was nearly 20 years ago, and I didn't know enough about how the aura is like a electromagnetic sponge, and it can pick up energies. From other people, and some of these energies can be harmful. Um, You know, I've heard stories of people flipping out at these festivals. Uh, I've heard stories of people flipping out uh, in the Amazon, Uh, you know, from God knows what, but there are energies, entities, uh, malevolent thought forms that float around in these kinds of environments. Um, you have to be really careful with that because things like that can get stuck in your aura and can do you uh, psychological harm. So if you're going to Burning Man or any kind of dance party or any gathering where there's a lot of different energies, you definitely want to make sure that you clean your uh, energy body, your aura, uh, you know, before you come home. Especially taking plant medicines yeah. as well because that makes you even more vulnerable to uh, intrusive energies
2: yeah it does make you more susceptible i found too and and i i had to learn about spiritual hygiene as well and and i also found out just i like that word spiritual hygiene <laughs> it, i haven't true, heard right? that one Good before term, right <laughs> it's definitely applicable but you don't think of it even especially when you're new to like when you're just starting on your healing journey and stuff it's like mm-hmm. you think oh and that's the the other point i want to bring up is not just because people say they're conscious or spiritual doesn't mean they have good intentions. You know, there's predators in this field as well. And so that's why like assaults and sexual assaults happen at the, a lot of these festivals too. So, and, and they're not always encouraged to be talked about too, because there's that new age crowd. They're just like, Oh, just think positive and just go on. So it's like, that's why a lot of them aren't reported. So it's, yeah, you still have to be careful, like on multiple levels, like the energetic aspect and still the physical aspect as well and i'm glad you brought up energy healing too and how did you get started in that well
3: it seemed like a natural evolution for for my work to investigate it uh because some things happened to me uh it was 2005 i went to um actually a steve roach concert uh, out in tucson arizona and the hotel that i happened to stay in (laughs) This was not known. Steve recommended the hotel, but he did not know that it was haunted, and uh, a lot of really bad things happened there. So there were these uh, malevolent energies already there from like several different tragedies that had happened at the hotel. It was actually listed as the most haunted hotel in the Southwest, uh, in Tucson, Arizona. They they actually built it on top of a Native American uh, burial ground where the Native Americans buried their criminals, rapists, and and murderers. So, you know, (laughs) it was ripe for a lot of really bad things, and then there were a lot of tragedies that happened that it's too long to go into. But um, something came on to me, and and it actually followed me home. And this was like, you know, 2005, what, 17 years ago. I did not know uh, nearly as much about you know, how to keep your energy body clean back then, I actually called uh, the Paranormal Society of Tucson and told them, I think I picked up something at the Santa Rita Hotel because um, there were noises in the house. I was having thoughts that weren't my own. And when I closed my eyes, I would see like 1904 newspaper articles and stuff like that. I think something had jumped into my consciousness. And they gave me uh, some protocols to follow to get rid of it, burn sage, uh, you know, all around the house. And and I started looking into some things and uh, you know, I, I discovered like 432 hertz is a good uh, frequency to work with. They don't like malevolent and uh, energies and entities don't like uh, 432 hertz. And also blue orbs, because blue uh is color of Krishna. It's the color of bliss and peace and lucidity. So I would work with blue orbs uh, to clean energies off of me whenever I would pick something up. The most recent uh, thing that happened was, this was probably only three or four years ago, I went to Arclight Cinema in Hollywood, one of my favorite <laughs> places to go to when I lived in Pasadena, uh, by myself to see a movie, uh, Venom. I would never see a movie like that now. I must have been a little bored back then. Um, so I went and I picked up a negative entity um, from the movie theater, because the movie the movie was pretty negative, and I think some of these uh, production companies, maybe they work with frequencies, or maybe they put things in the movie to summon some of these energies up. I'm not sure, I've heard things like that. Um, but. I worked with Sage, Blue Orb, and 432 Hertz, and got it right off of me in about 15-20 minutes. So, wow! Uh, anyone that's listening um, that has these problems, they can work with those
2: three things. Thanks for the recommendation yeah. for everyone. And I've I've heard that too, because that I used to I was a movie guy growing up, and mm-hmm. I, I don't watch them anymore. But as you kind of wake and I've noticed, like, I tend to prefer nature over just like mm-hmm. sitting down and doesn't really resonate with me anymore. But that's what I heard. Like I liked our movies, but I heard like they were just kind of meant to keep us in a low vibrational state and like a fear state. And that does make sense. So and also even in some of the music too that there's different frequencies that are meant to like keep you angry or or all like in an agitated state. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. I know there's the uh, four thirty two versus four forty Kurtz mm-hmm. debate. And also I think it's whole note or just intonation as well. So, like mm-hmm. they change the music around too. So it's not in its natural state. So it's definitely something sub- something to be explored that that way. If it's if it's a topic that interests you, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's amazing. And did you like hear about it from someone, or did you get drunk to like Reiki or a different type when they do on others? Hear about what? Did like, how did you know, like, which type of energy healing to learn about or study? Oh, uh, I I
3: read some books and and listened to some um, videos and you know and just some of it came naturally just working with my own energy field and you know making sure
2: I was clean myself. You know. Oh, that's yeah good. And and the shamanica as aspect that you offer, how did you get into that? That
3: has developed over a long period of time just being fascinated with ancient cultures indigenous cultures uh plant medicine wisdom um i was involved with some of the first people that brought ayahuasca to los angeles in the mid 90s um we did a big ceremony out in malibu oh wow uh at this huge estate overlooking the ocean it was like wow you know and uh I got to experience that and, and, you know, just became fascinated with that whole thing, you know, tribal shamanism and, uh, you know, DMT, which is basically the uh, hard-hitting ingredient in ayahuasca.
2: Yeah, how was it being on, like, being an early adopter of ayahuasca here? Because back then, no one really knew what it was here yet, right? Were people unsure of it, or they were willing to give it a try? Well, I wasn't new to
3: plant medicine then because I had years of work with uh, psilocybin, so I took to it really well because all the tryptamines are similar, and you know the experiences they they produce. But I think the biggest thing for me, and I'm still shocked over it, is how big ayahuasca has become like it's become like this whole tourism industry and back then I would have never imagined it uh you know I'm, I was thinking you know a, a plant that makes you sick <laughs> you know who's who's gonna this will never take off <laughs> boy was I wrong I, I guess the thing is you know when you the shamans that I worked with they were the shawar from Ecuador they put Uh, specific herbs in ayahuasca that actually cleansed your blood as well so I felt tremendous for two weeks after that and you know and I I don't know um, you know I hear different experiences of what uh, people are having in the Amazon now but um, I would certainly recommend anyone looking for that kind of experience go for those blood cleansing herbs as well because you know you feel really good afterwards
2: Oh, yeah, I can imagine. And that's a good point, is I've heard that in the different countries in South America, they'll have, like, different versions of ayahuasca. Like, Peru's just usually the plain ayahuasca. Colombia's yahe. Mm -hmm. And then in Ecuador, like, they have a different version as well. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting, how they have different blends. But they all do basically the same thing or have a similar effect on the person. Yeah. And, And how... Did you notice any difference between psilocybin and ayahuasca? I, I know they have like a similar effect, but they're also different as well, I found at least.
3: Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, excellent question. I write about it in my book, Soul Hacker's Guide to Awakening, uh, which, by the way, I brought a copy for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. I have a chapter in there where I talk about... Um, plant medicines, entheogens, and the quantum field of consciousness. This is something that really no one is talking about, and I'm not sure why. Different species of mushrooms will hold uh, information from the region that they grow in, in the quantum field of consciousness. So. Uh, Let me give you an example. If you wanted to learn about uh, the Mayan uh, civilization, well, there's magic mushrooms that grow in that region, okay? So you would want to take those, and then during your experience, these particular mushrooms will, if you can get into a deep enough state or trance with them, they will deliver information about the Mayan civilization because they're holding that information in the quantum field of consciousness. So and the same with ancient India, the same with Egypt, people don't realize this, there's uh, mushroom motives all over Egypt. No one is talking about it. I think maybe Graham Hancock talked a little bit about it uh, once, but it's, it's amazing. I've been looking into that and once I get to the point where I start doing my um, you know, audio visual presentations, I'm going to include some of those uh, images from Egypt.
2: Oh, yeah, please do. That, that's the first I heard of it, so that, and I'm into this. So,
3: There should be entire teams going out to these ancient civilizations and taking psilocybin grown from the region to channel this information. Imagine what secrets uh, that you could get from uh, ancient Egypt just being there and, and journeying on uh, local Egyptian mushrooms.
2: That makes it makes sense though because the one thing I did here pertain to ayahuasca it was like because how did they figure out that technology because you have to combine the vine and the roots the MAO inhibitor and like you said the DMT but they grow in different parts of the jungle and th- at that point they didn't have machines to test things or stuff like that so they just had to know like this plant would ha- when this plant and what dosage of each would have this effect and it, you can't just like guess at that you know so how are they figuring that how are they getting that information i've had this
3: discussion before another very good question And <laughs> you win the award for good questions today <laughs> thank you uh <laughs> and now my answer is very different than the shamans that uh, practice ayahuasca medicine
2: because their answer is just uh, that they saw it on ayahuasca right
3: well they they, they believe that there's like a like a guy in mind There, that you know, like a plant kingdom mind that gives them that information, like an intuition. Yeah, okay. Um, I think that's partly correct, but I'm going to take that a bit further. This is not the first universe that we've been in. Now, you can, there's proof to that on a lot of these ancient glyphs, like in Egypt. There's pictures of helicopters and speedboats. There were no helicopters and speedboats in in ancient Egypt. So where were they getting that information? They were getting that information from previous universes, and that information is stored in the quantum field of consciousness, or the Akasha, or uh, some traditions call it even call it the Oversoul. So, okay, I got, got lost for a second. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. what, what, what question was I answering? Oh, yeah, getting how. They figured out how oh, to put the ayahuasca ones uh, together. Ayahuasca, okay. They figured it out because has happened before and that information was already uh, in the quantum field. Wow.
2: That, yeah. <laughs> that actually makes sense, yeah. and I never thought about that. So yeah. I appreciate you bringing these uh, answers that definitely I have that are new to me. So like yeah. I said, as you know, this is, Topics I've explored before, so Mm -hmm. this is a pleasant surprise being caught off guard like this. Well,
3: all knowledge is old knowledge. I mean, there's people running around, you know, worshipping these teachers. You know, so-and-so said this, and and did you hear this teacher say that? And -and so-and-so had a presentation that just blew my mind last night and all this stuff. All knowledge is already known. It's all in the quantum field. Um, Anyone, even like Einstein... He did not create the theory of relativity. It already existed. All he did was channel it. Wow. Even like uh, Paul McCartney wrote yesterday, like one of the best songs ever, right? He said he dreamed it, It came to him in a dream. So, you know, where is this information coming from? It's already there. We just channel it. And that's one interesting thing that people don't talk about with psychedelics as well. It creates novel... Uh, brain synaptic activity and that novel brain synaptic activity opens portals to uh, these information downloads people also call them codes now like (laughs) did you download the codes whatever (laughs) these downloads of uh, infinite knowledge that are out there that we can't normally um, access but with psychedelics they open a porthole and will let you um, download this information if you're, you know, if you're good at working with the
2: medicine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting too. Because, and I have thought, I have explored that topic too, or just even exploring like where do regular ideas come from when we think of all, oh, like someone says, "Oh, I got a good idea out of nowhere." Like, did they really? And I, I always question that. It's, <laughs> like, and some people theorize that there's like some type of spirit like giving you like yeah, basically yeah. the equivalent of whispering in your ear or something. I mean, maybe not literally, but, but that I, I like what you said too, because that, that makes, I think that's easier for someone you might not be spiritually inclined for them to grasp because that does make sense. Yeah. And it sounds more than just like some type of ghost or something, which who knows, you know, that could, it could well, be. Well, what is a
3: ghost? You know, people have
2: all kinds of labels.
3: What does someone mean when they say "I got an idea"? What does an "I" mean? Is it are they talking about their ego self or their infinite God being self? Yeah, cause, you know, because there's two things going on. And it seems you like
2: know. people are accepting there's more to us than just like what we see here. Yeah, that we can't prove it yet necessarily, but it is becoming more of an accepted theory that they are people. I think people are kind of like grasping getting more back into spirituality, I think, like they used to in, like, Egyptian times. And, and yeah, it's interesting that you brought up the fly technology, too. I just heard this, like, a month or so ago. But so I was saying that, and he posted the picture, like, even in India, like, the Vedic text showed, like, a basically a plane, like, a, a fly, this device that would allow the person to fly. And this was before the Wright brothers, too. So it, we keep saying, oh, the Wright brothers invented the first plane, but that doesn't appear to be the case. and it, It's like, what is the real history? It seems like there's so much more than what we were being told, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah. They channeled it, that's and, what happened.
2: Yeah, that would make more sense. And even, because it's crazy, there's some things that we can't explain. Like there's architecture in Peru and other countries. We don't have the technology to build that today. So how did we we actually regress then? And it, it's weird how some more people aren't curious about that. And, mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense even with the Egyptian pyramids. Now, now they're saying like it sounds like technology that was able to lift those, which actually would make more sense because they've probably seen the cymatic videos where like it's on a much smaller scale, but the reverberation just kind of has structures float in the air.
3: You have to ask yourself, where, how did they get that information? Where did it come from? And I have a chapter in my book about um, psychedelics as ancient technology. You take mushrooms, for instance. Spores are microscopic. I mean, you can, if you were a interplanetary visitor, you could take like millions of species of psychoactive mushrooms in a little test tube. Um, Also, spores are covered in one of the hardest known substances on Earth. They can withstand the vacuum of space. So these spores are planetary jumpers. (laughs) So why is there an intelligent uh, plant species that has the ability to jump from planet to planet? I mean, that sounds like something technological. And another thing, and I I don't know if anyone has ever done experiments like this, but years and years ago, I was with a group. Everyone had taken um, like 5 grams of very potent psilocybin. It was about... Five guys except for me I was the designated driver okay so I was completely sober so we took this out in the woods in Missouri well it got really cold overnight so we couldn't stay out in the woods we had to drive back to um one of the guys house fortunately I was sober and I could I could drive but all four of the other guys were just like flying man you know (laughs) so they were really uncomfortable about this but I told them that I could drive. So we were driving through town, and guess what? Two or three cars pulled over and let us go by. And I looked at our lights, our lights were so bright, we, we looked like an emergency vehicle or something because other cars were pulling over. Now, what is going on uh, in everyone's energy field to affect something electronic, like uh, car lights? in that way. Did, has this ever been used before in ancient times? Did people get together by the hundreds and hold hands and create a circuit? Uh, I think so. I I was told during one of my channeling sessions, recently actually when I was writing this, that, you know, in ancient aliens they have those, uh, it's the Mahabharata, I guess, the book, where they talk about the big ships battling in the sky Uh, those are consciousness ships those are hundreds of practitioners creating uh, i call it fifth dimensional hole punching where where consciousness pulls information from the quantum field and makes it physical or semi-physical and then you've got the opposing uh, civilization or group that are doing the same thing and you get this airship battle but what it is it's it's pure consciousness Uh, creating physical forms and consciousness is amplified by these uh,
2: psilocybin mushrooms. Wow. And were these type of uh, trips your inspiration to write this book or was it accumulation of all sorts of experiences?
3: Accumulation of all sorts of experiences. Um, Right now, for me, I'm, I'm very much into the Meditation, Eastern mysticism. Um, I don't really journey that much at all with the with the plants. I think you get to a certain point where you have to kind of move move beyond that. I, I think they're very very helpful in uh, you know accomplishing certain things like what I said earlier. If you wanted to hack into the quantum field of a certain area, if you're looking for an ego death experience, a real one, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it's very valuable for that. Uh, that's what people should be using it for, for s- certain specific reasons. Just to go to parties and get high, uh, I I think that, you know, falls short for me. I, I, I don't know whether to... I mean, I've done it myself, so I can't, you know, curse it or condemn it or I- anything like that, but I would encourage... Those that want to go down this path to take it a little bit more serious and, and, you know, work with the like the big three for me are peyote, ayahuasca and psilocybin. Now other people will argue, well, what about, you know, um, this or that or what's what's that other one? Um, Starts with an S. San Pedro. Uh, Salvia. Salvia. Oh, yeah. yeah. San Pedro is in the same family as peyote. So yeah, same thing.
1: Similar. Uh, Very
3: similar. So, but you know, there's other things people work with, but I would, I would stick with those three, you know, um, they're gonna give you your best chance at accomplishing what you wanna accomplish.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Like now it's, I, I kind of cringe when I hear people using plant medicines to re- use them recre- recreationally or go to a party. It's like, oh, now I know what they're really capable of. Cause when I was in college, people just use them recreationally. And, and no one knew better, but now I realize how how much potential they have. Like, they could really make you much more of a moral person. And just for me, they just gave me an objective view of myself. I never would have had, been capable of otherwise, especially at that stage of my healing journey. So it, it, you're right. Now, I, I mean, and I, and I can't judge because that's, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do. But I just hope, like you said, people consider what they're really capable of. and at least give that method a try.
3: I think that also what we know about them and how they're being practiced right now is like maybe one out of 10 is like a two. Uh, I think in ancient times, people really knew how to work with these medicines. Uh, like pyramids, I think they you know, were taken on top of, of pyramids. Pyramids to me are downloading stations uh, it's where consciousness can download uh, like these hyperdimensional uh, quantum infinite knowledge codes or, or, or whatever, and I think that's how they got uh, a lot of the knowledge and, you know, uh, how they incorporated that knowledge into their culture and and things like that. Uh, so I don't think they're, I think the potential is barely being scratched, the the surface and you know healing like you take a shaman like uh maria sabina that could actually pull cancer out of people while on an incredible high dosage of of mushrooms you know that seems almost technological to me pulling cancer out of someone yeah you know
2: i've and i've heard like on other plants too i think it was sheree sanango like i've heard like a a good shaman which is rare but they're able like just pull out Lyme disease, the entity that causes that, and it's crazy because that's a hard one to for people to find relief from if, if they didn't catch it right away. So mm-hmm. it's amazing. You're right. What and I've wondered that too. How do they know that as well? So and what you said kind of makes sense. And yeah, I think the pyramids are capable of much more than we're being told they are. Obviously, because mm-hmm. I've heard that they even had sound healing chambers in them. Oh, absolutely. Like frequency healing was big back then.
3: Yeah, frequency healing. um, Ceremony, you know, there would be like in the Great Pyramid things set up to move your consciousness forward rapidly, you know, and probably plants were incorporated into that too.
2: Wow. So, yeah, a lot of that's
3: been lost. A lot of that knowledge has been lost.
2: Yeah. It's such a shame too because. I, I've I've always been inclined to like wonder what humans are really capable of. It just seems like we're so much more than like just like the average human. How they are living life today, just completely asleep. You know, they go to work, go to Burger King on their lunch break, <laughs> you know, go maybe watch a little hour or two of TV, go back to go to bed and start do the cycle all over.
3: That's a little sad, and it kind of brings up one of the things that I wanted to talk about actually, and that's soul evolution. You know. Why do some of these people um, lag behind others? You know, what is the explanation for that? Like, why does someone experience trauma in this lifetime and suffering and uh, others don't? Others seem to have everything handed to them and good luck and good health and fortune and all all this stuff. So what's really going on, you know? I mean, that's something that uh, I've contemplated every day for the past (laughs) 10 years. And you really have to dig into Eastern uh, mysticism to get those answers. And, uh, you know, a lot of it has already been written about and and talked about, Uh, you know, like karma balancing itself over many lifetimes, trauma, trauma, gone into deep meditations over trauma because I have some really good friends that follow me that have been through that. And the conclusion I came to was that souls sometimes spend too long in the astral plane, so they need to catch up with with souls that, are, that have had more incarnations. So one of the ways to catch up is to have a traumatic experience because how many people that you've met that that uh, have had a traumatic experience haven't been open-minded? Tra- uh, trauma people have been the most open-minded people that I've I've ever met. And people without trauma, a lot of them are closed-minded. So, and another way to look at it is like uh, high, uh, climbing Mount Everest. Now. For me, climbing Mount Everest would be miserable because I don't like cold weather. I don't like heights. Uh, I don't like cold wind. It would be miserable. But there's some people that just thrive on the challenge of climbing Mount Everest and, and being at the top. Well, trauma is like the spiritual Mount Everest. It's like, you know, you're, you're attracted. You're not attracted to the suffering of trauma. You're attracted to the conquering of it. And uh, that's what people need to know and tell themselves. And also, you have to think like, what if I told you, hey Johnny, I know for sure you suffered in the year 1749. You were abused by your father. You were abused by three or four other people. Um, your life was miserable. You'd say, Whew. thank God it's not happened to me in, now. You know, it wasn't me, right? You'd be, thank God it's, it wasn't me, right? Yeah. Well, trauma victims should be telling themselves that every day because what you really are is an infinite God-like being. Infinite god light beings uh, don't get traumatized. So it wasn't you that it happened to and neither was it you in, in 1749. I like to to think that way. Now psychologists might tear into me, ah, blah, blah, blah. but from an Eastern mysticism point of view, that's a healthy way to look at it, uh, that it really wasn't you, because now you're a completely awakened divine being, and that was something else that happened a long time ago.
2: Wow, that's really interesting. And So basically you're saying is it's the people that wake up or go through trauma because the, the version I heard that we're, the people that are awake now is we're more evolved souls. And the people that ca- aren't capable of waking up this lifetime, they're less evolved. They've had less incarnations. They might be like younger newer souls. souls. Yeah, newer souls. So, but what you're saying is it could be the other way around, right? Like people that are awake or have to go through traumas, we're less evolved, so we have to experience them to play catch-up, right? Evolve faster and catch up to where everyone else is.
3: Well, the newer soul thing has thrown me for a loop because in Tibetan Buddhism, they say all souls were created at the same time. So how can there be a newer something when everything was created at the same time? So I tend to think of it as some souls spend a longer time in the astral plane because it's so pleasurable. And there, you know, in the astral plane, time doesn't exist like, we think it exists so it's easy to get sort of enraptured in those uh non-physical planes where everything's blissful and (laughs) you're thinking i don't want to go back to 3d reality where there's suffering and density and pain and ignorance (laughs) and fear and greed and all this stuff so that creates like souls that are behind uh, other ones because they're you know, there for a certain reason, you know, overcoming something. Now, there's also balancing of karma, uh, and I don't want people that have had trauma to focus on this kind of thing, but karma does balance itself out, and sometimes people that have done really bad things to other people, that will follow you into other lifetimes. But it's not necessarily always the case and if if it is the case don't feel attached to that either say hey you know i'm not responsible for what i did in past lifetime i'm I'm a, a awakened divine being now i'm not attached to what i did in
2: 1749 or whatever yeah so yeah. and uh, wow that's that's definitely an interesting way to look at it so. yeah and if someone's new hasn't done plant medicines before how would you recommend they go about it like is there one plant you recommend to start with a certain setting
3: well, that's in in my coaching i try to find out where people are at you know uh, spiritually you know what kind of traumas they've had uh, you know what their experience level is you know there's some people i've talked to that you know have had a lot of trauma in their background they hey, I want to do DMT. I want to... I'm like, I I don't know. Or, you know, I want to do, you know, three cups of the strongest ayahuasca there is so I can overcome that trauma. doesn't work that way because the, the, the psychedelics are going to put all that right in your face. You're going to have to deal with it. And some people can't. And that can cause a really difficult um, experience. Yeah. You
2: know. And... I will say, like, from what I've been told, I don't know if you found this true, is like the plants will only show you, like, what you're able to handle, like, if if they're done responsibly, like, if you're just doing a crazy amount of cups or something. Mm -hmm. And because I did have one, one ceremony I was at early on, there was this woman who I could tell wasn't, definitely wasn't ready. She was still, like, a little unstable and not adjusted. And she did five cups of ayahuasca and she didn't feel nothing happened so nothing happened yeah which is crazy because you granted like that was probably towards the lighter end of medicines uh, blends that i've done of that but Mm. but it still it still did the trick and you were
3: there and you took it and you did have an experience
2: yeah i did two cups the first night it was a two-nighter two cups the first night and i still had it like i said it was it was a little bit lighter than normal but it was it still worked. so so i couldn't imagine five cups of even a light blend like that would have been crazy so it it, so it does seem to have that effect but like you said especially when like people ask about like five meo dmt or these other ones Mm. someone told me a friend said you should like he's like i always tell people they develop a spiritual practice first because if they do it before that and they don't have any way to integrate like it can be shattering for some of them too if they do it if they, they just start with that and like you said they're not ready to handle it because yeah, well, well, I heard like like I said, it only shows you what you're able to handle. You still want to be careful too, because I've I've heard and heard of examples of it going the other way too.
3: Yeah, I've heard stories, first hand stories of people passing out and breaking open, glass tables open, yeah. and people passing out in tents and hitting their head and all kinds of stuff. So, five m e o, that's one of the more serious ones. You really should have. Maybe some experience with other ones first. I mean, you know, there's always exception to the rules, but uh, that, that one I've, ta- I've done three times. Uh, that one is a serious one where we'll take you out of your body like, <laughs> like that. You need to be a little prepared.
2: Yeah, because yeah, 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 there, there's videos of it, too, online where people are screaming and shaking. Yeah. Yeah. It looks horrifying, but then they share afterwards that it was really a cathartic experience. They were just saying the trauma pass through. So yeah. it, it's, But at the same time, you have to good be, be around a good facilitator to be able to handle that, too.
3: I, I think that's very, very, very important, and that's a great, uh, interesting subject that you brought up. Because this is really important. Remember, all uh, entheogens, the plant medicines, at their core, they're crystals. What do crystals do? Uh, They hold information. So I've talked to people that had clean, wonderful medicine. They know for sure it was clean, wonderful medicine. But the facilitator had negative energy, and they had really terrible experiences. So somehow that... Energy is getting transferred um, to the crystal matrix of the plant medicine. And then, therefore, getting transferred to the initiate. So that's something that you really, really, really have to be careful with. You want to make sure you have a good, solid practitioner. I think a lot of the people that are having bad experiences in the Amazon or or anywhere, uh, they're getting uh, facilitators that aren't in alignment. Yeah, cuz I've heard about women getting assaulted and things like that and that's a terrible would be a terrible thing to go through. Uh you don't want to be involved in anything like that. So you have to make sure you um you know get a legitimate shamanic practitioner.
2: Yeah, cuz there's bad facilitators here in the states for sure cuz like I've now, heard that too. Now because it's it's kind of trendy, so pretty much like so many people are calling themselves shamanists that clearly aren't they have no right you know they have no training but now everyone just wants to do it but even in like south america there's a lot of bad shamans too and like sexual assault is pretty big down there like it happened if you actually look at the threads so that and i can only imagine that because a lot of like a lot of people that go down there well pretty much all have had some type of trauma i mean we all have but there's a lot of people that already have had like sexual assault happen to them, and that's what they want to heal. Then they go down there and trust someone, and then it happens again. So it's just a terrifying oh. cycle, and I just can't oh. help but think, you know, it's like, man, we gotta be doing better than this, you know, as healers. And but it, that's why it, it's, it's I've seen it happen. And it's definitely devastating. So it's, it's like, and then that's just more trauma they have to heal from, and it's gonna be harder for them to trust. Like other facilitators too. Well, you know the
3: person that suffers the most from that, and you people aren't going to understand my answer. But the person that suffers the most is is the person that's perpetrating the uh, sexual harassment or assault or whatever, because it's damaging, severely damaging their soul evolution. That's going on their karmic record.
2: Yeah, I can imagine. Karma yeah. speaking. That's yeah. What like I always say, one of the worst things to do. But it's yeah. It take advantage is. of a
3: yeah. vulnerable person like that is a serious karmic crime you don't want to
2: yeah you don't want to go down that road and a lot of the people that do it once they generally repeat offenders who like do stuff like that down there until it finally comes out thankfully now and this is crazily enough just a more recent thing is but people are speaking out about it more so i'm kind of glad that's happening too because for a while but that's all what i can recommend is just people out interested just do your research like you can't do There's no such thing as too much diligence when it comes to that, because like the, the mental preparation is important, and but besides that, there's so many other factors to look into. Because like like I said, it could be either an amazing life-changing experience or can traumatize you even further and set you back a lot as well.
3: Yeah, I've heard that. Unfortunately, all too often, um, it it's harmed people, and that, that's sad to me. You don't want to have that experience
2: no it's like and good shamans are becoming more rare i think too because like when i went down to kitos and i didn't know this before i got down they're like oh yeah this is the ayahuasca disneyland and i'm like oh no and then sure enough it was all touristy and stuff and i'm like this isn't really what i envisioned you know because you well at least the way i pictured it it was like it was the deep jungle and it was sacred and whatever Someone mentions Disneyland in the same sentence as that now. I'm like, oh, It looks
3: alluring, doesn't it? I've seen some of the pictures of beautiful beaches (laughs) and the women are beautiful. And, like, you know, everybody's in shape and, like, you know, good looking. It's like, you know. But that's not what it's about. And uh, people shouldn't be attracted to that. And if you have a successful plant medicine experience, you'll see through all that.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know. And it's uh like I've been through both both good and bad, so I can uh just testify on both aspects of them. Like, and that that's the thing. I when I first started, I didn't know, so I could see why that's the benefit of consulting a coach like you, because mm-hmm. it really is. Yeah, it really was pretty crazy, because especially this was what was it about five years ago. Yeah, it was like the premise the scene was like a real Wild West show in, in L.A. at that time for like yeah. those couple of years. Yeah, yeah. It's calmed down a little bit now, thankfully. But I guess part of it, the pandemic was like hard to come by. But yeah, it was pretty crazy too. But uh, looking back on it, I probably would have benefited from consulting someone like you that had decades of experience with the plants under your belt.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah.
2: And is there any other, for meditation-wise, Do you recommend, is there anything, like, people can start with that, or you recommend getting, like, coached right away with that as well?
3: Well, I teach meditation. Um, I've meditated so long now that I feel like I'm in a perpetual state of meditation. I, I feel like it's not something that you should practice all the time. You should be in the meditation all the time, like... I don't know if that makes sense. Like yeah. I try not to go practice something. I, I try to live live it, you know, and it's not always possible in Southern California with traffic and <laughs> rude people and unconscious stuff that goes on and you know, um you can get angry or get pulled off center or whatever, but um really meditation I think is is something that if you're on a spiritual path, you absolutely should be doing, you know, yeah, as much as possible.
2: That's how. That's how I got started. Into everything was meditation, and it was so hard. I found it so boring at first because I, I, I've heard that
3: yeah. over and over again. I can't meditate. I'm so bored. I can't, you know, shut off my mind or whatever. That, oh, that's why yeah. it takes practice. Yeah, you have to practice it. That part of it. Yeah, and
2: because my first. I guess like a glimpse of spirituality I was reading a Dallas book, but really, really getting to spirituality. My first encounter was with Buddhism. So, cause I had a friend who was getting into it and that's what he would say too. Like, Oh, just keep at it. You know, don't judge yourself, just do the best you can. So I would just like do it just, just to, I don't want to say to get through it. Well, maybe at that stage I probably was, you know, I know that's not, I was supposed to do it, but I just wanted to like set like a routine and, Mm-hmm. And I, I and I, granted like maybe the whole sitting wasn't great, but I, I did find moments where I was doing it. So I was like and I'd have to just like be proud of that. So and just like see like what I got from that part of it, at least. So mm-hmm. and and you're right. I, I have heard that, too. It's like we're supposed to be and not just do. And mm-hmm. like we're yeah. human beings. So it's like you're right. The goal is to basically incorporate that into your whole life and not mm-hmm. just, you know, right. sit for 10, 20 minutes in the morning and or night.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, if you can just uh do it for a little bit every day, even you could even do it in in the shower. Uh, you know, or I meditate while I'm driving sometimes, you know, just tune everything out and have a, you know, relaxing music on and uh hiking, you know, hiking I get into profound meditative states. Doesn't always have to be you know, in a lotus position uh, somewhere. You don't have to put that kind of pressure on yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because walking, find, meditations. Find that, yeah, just find that calm, blissful place within and, and try to hold it as long as you can.
2: And I know it's too long to discuss, like, everything, but do you want to touch on any of the other topics just briefly that are in your book, like what else it covers as well?
3: Well, yes, um, we... Went into soul evolution a little bit. Um, that's why I call it a soul hacker's guide to awakening, because this movie of 3D reality that we're in, you know, you know about movies. Every movie has like a through line. Every screenplay has a, a through line, uh, a story arc or whatever. And for me, uh, life in on Earth in 3D reality is. About soul evolution. That's what I see when I look at a bird, or an ant, or a person, or uh, I don't know any kind of animal or creature. Uh, so, how do we rapidly advance our our soul evolution so we don't have to keep repeating these painful, uh, traumatic incarnations? You know, the the goal of your lifetime really should be about not having future (laughs) lifetimes (laughs) people look at me like well i love being uh on on planet earth that's fine uh be an angel then what are what are angels you know there are people like you and i that no longer have uh karma to pay back so they don't have to incarnate on a physical plane if they don't want to anymore that should be an option You, you shouldn't be pulled back into a 3d uh Incarnation by your past, whoops, sorry, uh, deeds. I am getting excited and using my hands, sorry about that.
2: It's a good topic. Uh,
3: Your past deeds and uh, what are called sanskaras by one of my teachers, Avatar Meir Baba, calls them sanskaras. So I call them sanskaric deeds. Like, you know, these things that you do uh, during your life that will follow you, the energy will follow you into your next, Incarnation, so you know, like Ravi Shankar is a good good example. He has a huge big scar around his neck. He knows for sure he was beheaded in his past uh, lifetime, so these things can even manifest onto you um physically. so what's life really about it's It's like reducing um, you know these things from past lifetimes and and uh, you know, cleaning up your karma and stuff like that, so you don't have to go through anything uh, in future lifetimes that, that causes pain and suffering.
2: Oh, that's great! And uh, is there any last piece of advice that either we didn't touch on, or you just want to expand on that we did cover?
3: Uh, Just oh, we didn't talk much about extraterrestrials that was one of the things that we were supposed to talk oh, yeah, about. That,
2: yeah no that's uh, all <laughs> yeah what's because you don't just talk about right just extraterrestrials like you talk about their technology or structures they have here well
3: a lot of what's going on with extraterrestrials now i'm going to tell the story of this russian physicist that i looked in it was about a year ago and i can't remember his name he he mysteriously died and All of his files and everything were stolen at a conference in uh, Canada. But he was experimenting with uh, frequency and sound. He was taking like um, chicken eggs, and as the embryo was developing, he was recording the sound of that, amplifying it like 6,000 times, And then he set up this chamber. He broadcasts that sound through a chamber uh, while duck eggs were, were developing. Okay, So when the duck eggs hatched, they had chicken features. So what is DNA? What are we? We're a frequency band. So these reptilians that have come here and graze they exist in a different frequency band. Like the reptilians, I don't want to get into this too much because I don't want to go down the conspiracy uh, rabbit hole or anything like that. But a planetary system is kind of like a cell phone. <laughs> it comes with apps on, a, on it already. And one of the, the things, because remember, we're in a universe of duality, opposite energies. This is one of the things you always complimented me on in my posts, how oppos- opposite energies um, are needed in a physical universe to maintain, f- to keep form from formlessness So there has to be this pull back and forth of opp- opposite energies uh, To maintain a physical universe so on planet earth there's portals that are both positive and Negative indigenous people know about these negative portals. They won't go anywhere near them. No, like, oh, we're not going over there you know and they're all over all over the world so what happens is uh, beings like reptilians they don't have to exist in in a physical form they can become non-physical in in a lower energy frequency band and download themselves onto a planetary system and as uh, the humans develop that are in that negative portal area, they start to take on these reptilian um, features. You know, they look more reptilian, they're in a lower frequency band, they don't have the same soul or compassion that we have. Uh, Just like the guy, the Russian physicist, turned a duck into a chicken by a frequency band these lower frequency bands, and, and they're very specific and very mathematical, um, they're turning uh, regular human beings into these reptilians. That's how I think they really travel. They don't travel in big, gigantic spaceships the land and land and invade people and all this stuff. That's something out of the movies. Yeah. They come here as a non-physical frequency band gets downloaded into uh, different planetary systems. And definitely Earth uh, was one where the reptilians downloaded themselves into. And my guess is uh, the, reptilian, the reptilians originated in a more dense previous universe, just like we had reptilians, uh, reptilian-type beings, dinosaurs, that lived here for millions of years, uh, you know, they they ruled this planet for millions of years. The, the reptilians that are in this lower frequency band that downloaded themselves here—they could have been from a denser previous universe and then downloaded themselves into our universe. Oh. That's that's what I think. And do you think
2: you know aliens are portrayed in the movies like as uh, you know kind of like monster creatures to make the concept ridiculous and to like make a lot of people just scoff at it, like oh that's crazy.
3: We have to be kind of careful with Hollywood because they have uh, you know a certain agenda. I don't want to get into that, but um, there's people that involved in that matrix that don't really have the best interests of the movie watchers <laughs> at at heart you know uh, so there's manipulation going on there through these entertainment systems, music industry as well um but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I don't want to get blocked and
1: all that stuff. Yeah, no, but like as we as it
2: ties into what we started with, just yeah. that there could be subliminal messages and things oh, like that, yeah, and yeah. and to keep people yeah. in a lower frequency Absolutely. state, like that does make sense. And it's good
3: for us people on a spiritual path to stay in the higher frequency. You know, and sometimes it's hard to do. And some of what they do makes sense because they know we're in a universe of duality, and they've just decided to work with the opposite side the opposite energy you know uh, and I think for me, the big lie is people using this term these two words the big lie, the big lie the big biggest lie on planet Earth is that we're slaves to them. the opposite is true they are destroying their soul evolution by. Uh, controlling people and putting out all these lower thought forms and uh, malevolent thought forms and messages, all this stuff that's going on that these people at the top are doing. They're damaging themselves. And what it's doing to us is it's waking people up in massive (laughs) numbers, people seeing through this. Oh, I see what kind of energy is they're working with. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be on the opposite side so I wouldn't say, you know people have said, "Well, they're, they must be divine I, I then I don't know if I want to go that far, but or even necessary evil. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I want to say that. I wish they weren't here, but remember, we're in duality, so it takes the two two energies to maintain the form, so there'll always be that opposite like luciferian frequency band going on you know now there are universes that aren't in duality there's just universes of light and um you know astral planets higher astral planes are supposed to be really really beautiful and, and unlike anything here on earth and then above that there's the causal which is like the idea realm, which you can create your own infinite universes that's the closest thing to heaven that that they talk about in that's that's where you want to go yeah
2: (laughs) that's where you want to go yeah well based on what you described it must be a really hard sell to get people leave the astral astral plate if there's this like place where it's just bliss and to come back to this place where it's just pain misery betrayal so it's like yeah i guess you really want to have to have your soul evolved to to want to come back here and yeah well you get pulled back
3: You, you you get pulled back and we didn't talk about this much, but, and I know maybe we're running out of time here, but I want to go over this really quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's binding agents in, in the 3D reality, um, Earth reality, you know, to be, to be in, incarnated here. And I, I, I like teaching by telling stories. Let's say you and I, we're brothers. We're good Christians. We go to church every week. We meditate a little bit. And we're jewelry, jewelry, antique jewelry dealers. Okay, so we've got this incredible collection of antique jewelry. Beautiful. We get written up in magazines. Johnny and Ra, they have the best antique jewelry collection in all of the uh, United States. We win awards, all this stuff. We go around to shows and blah, blah, blah. Okay, we get in a car accident. We're both critically uh, injured in a car accident we're good christians we go to church every week we're both laying on our deathbed in our final hour what are we thinking about
2: not the business right
3: 99 out of 100 people thinking about their jewelry business
2: oh really yeah because
3: it's it's that binding agent it's that that draws us wow it draws you back to to more incarnations. And it could be anything. It could be resentment, jealousy, anger, greed. Um, what if we're brothers and I secretly hate you? <laughs> yeah. uh, then that's <laughs> even that more of a difficult next incarnation. Got to work out like how to not hate my brother and how to not be attached to a jewelry business. You know what I mean? So we're constantly working these things out from, from lifetime. To lifetime. So, what is the secret of life? Then, it's reducing these binding agents, these things that pull us back into future incarnation. So, we don't have to be uh, reincarnated. Then, we can come back uh, at our own will. Like you know, like Mahavatar Babaji, one of the great yogis of India that taught Paramahansa Yogananda, he can. He can move his body from the higher astral planes, and he can materialize. He can materialize his atoms into a physical earth plane at will. That's where you want to be. <laughs> you, you don't want to have to keep being pulled back, and like the Tibetans call it, this wheel of samsara. These, you know, conflictive emotions that keep pulling you back into more and more lifetimes, and, and you have a lifetime where you're a rock star, and, and you have all these people loving you worshiping you and you believe that you're god and you're laying in your deathbed and oh i'm god i'm a rock star oh, my god i don't want to die i don't want to die because i'm gonna not be a rock star anymore <laughs> well guess what that's gonna pull you right back in a more future incarnation so
2: that's interesting you know. and while i like to think that humans are more evolved like in our final moments we'd be thinking of you know what's ahead or but that actually makes sense that you're probably right so yeah. to say is that Probably think it's something petty that <laughs>
3: a lot of us just get drawn right well, back. no I know it's so. true because I've known people that have worked in like end-of-life things and, and that's all what they're thinking seen. about is their real estate and their you know, bank accounts and then their families come in and lay the heavy trips on them. You owe Bobby Joe $15,000 from 20 years ago and, and all this stuff and people laying in, in their deathbed should not be focused on this stuff. No, no.
2: no. But yeah, that's... Yeah, I have heard from people that work to hospice have say similar things like or sometimes like the children won't visit them at all or something so i'm sure yeah. that causes resentment yeah anger having other feelings come up like you said yeah But yeah thanks this was an interesting discussion to say the least thanks so, johnny thank you for coming on and if someone wants to reach out to you where do you recommend like if they want to do your coaching and and also where can they find your book so two-part question okay you can find me at com,
3: and my email is qshamanics at com, and my whole bio is online. So, And they can uh, purchase,
2: purchase the book there, too?
3: The book isn't on there yet. Um, the book is on uh, Amazon. Okay. And I'm going to be moving the book on, onto my website. I was getting ready to do all that when the book came out at the end of 2019, and, and a little something called COVID-19 hit. And I got really sidetracked, but I'm getting back on track now. So the book will be on the website soon.
2: Oh, that's great. And I'm glad you got to listen to Rod's talk today. It was amazing getting to interview him. Please like, follow, and subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one comes out. I start a Patreon. Any amount you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you for tuning in today.
0: Be seeing you you've been listening to the dystopian renaissance spirituality healing consciousness truth we hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show make sure to like rate and review the show and tell a friend or two that would help also we'll be back soon but in the meantime hook up with us on facebook instagram and youtube at the Dystopian Renaissance. And please find the website at www.thedystopianrenaissance.com.